On this episode of the Culture Pop Podcast, it is our summer movie preview. Everything from Doctor Strange to Top Gun to Jordan Peele's new one. We are all over it. Don't forget to subscribe to the Culture Pop Podcast on Apple, Spotify, and at stevemason.com. And don't forget, leave us a rating and a review. The Culture Pop Podcast is brought to you by the law offices of Jacob M. Ronnie. Accident or injury, call Jacob M. Ronnie. Call Jacob. Hey, it's Mace. If you or a friend or loved one is injured in an accident, the first person you should call is my friend Jacob. When I did this, Jacob was great. He helped me by talking through the next steps, which really put my mind at ease. When you're injured in an accident, you got to have an expert. That's why you call Jacob, just like I did. Call Jacob, 844-24-JACOB. That's 844-24-JACOB. Or visit calljacob.com. Call Jacob. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Culture Pop Podcast. I'm Steve Mason. That's Sue Kalinske. Sue, have you recovered from the big interview that we did on the last show? I'm still I'm still riding high, Steve. Still riding? It was a great show. It was a great... If you've not heard Sue's... The interview I did with Sue, it is fantastic. I thought uh, really thoughtful, uh, learn everything you ever wanted to know about Sue stuff. I didn't know before I thought courageous. I mean, I, I thought it was a great, great show. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I talked about some pretty personal things that I never talk about, but, uh, you have a way Steve Mason. Oh yeah. Mike <laughs> Wallace. I brought it out of you. <laughs> So uh, today going to do something completely different. It is our summer movie preview, and we got a couple of pop culture authorities to do it. Max Godnick is a writer, producer, and pop culture expert as seen on Cheddar and People Magazine's People Now. And Mako Nlovu is a media personality as seen on the Today Show and Wendy Williams and so much more. Uh, guys, thank you very much, Max. Mako, thanks for doing this. Thank you for having us. I'm so excited about chatting with you guys. Max, it's such an honor. So pumped to be back and really excited for this uh, summer movie slate. It feels like we're back to something. Yeah, that's a good question. So I go to the movies twice a week. Um, I, and I go to a movie theater. I, in fact, I just saw the Nicolas Cage movie, which I loved, Massive Talent. I watched uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once. And I don't see the same crowds necessarily that I would have seen before the pandemic. Max, where are we right now in terms of sort of a comeback and a return to normal for the movie business? I think things are sort of hit or miss right now, and they're a little bit more stable than they were, say, this time last year, but still nothing close to what we saw, say, in 2019, right? The last time that we were maybe in something of a more normal time. Um, but yeah, I mean, I saw those movies you just mentioned and I was actually surprised. I felt like my crowd at Massive Talent was the first time that I found myself sort of laughing out loud in something resembling a crowded movie theater. And like, I'm talking even pre-COVID because the state of movie comedies has been so bleak. But if we look at these movies that we're going to discuss today and what we have coming out in the summer, I mean, these are big, big titles. This is Marvel back in theaters. This is 
Top Gun, which are movies that have been delayed four, five, six times. And maybe, just maybe, there's been some anticipation that's built up along the way. And people are so hyped to go back to theaters. Some of the movies in this slate could draw people back. And if they can't, I don't know what can. McCall, what do you think? Agreed. So, Steve, we've talked about this before. I am a person who loves watching movies at home. So I'm also really curious (laughs) to see how many people are going to go out to the movie theaters. I will say a couple of these titles that we're going to talk about are really enticing that I'm even thinking about going to see them. So we'll see if everyone else is kind of like me, where they're on the fence, but the titles are so compelling that they got to see them. I I think the the bigger televisions become for your home, (laughs) the less people are going to, because we we bought a a 65-inch television um, recently, and it's like, oh, well, I don't know if I'll ever go back to the movies. I have the same 65 inch and it's so nice to just sit back and watch these. So as I'm looking at these release dates, I'm like, okay, so when is it going to hit the streaming sites? Because that's what I'm looking forward to. <laughs> I, I think the only place I'll go because I'm in the Writers Guild. So mm-hmm. the Writers Guild just reopened the theater on Doheny. So that's something that I, I would probably go to. So let's start out with Dr. Strange. In the multiverse of Matt. Boy, the multiverse is a thing now, isn't it, Max? Oh, my goodness. Everywhere we turn, it's the multiverse. And I guess that is true to multiverses, right? When they're here, they're all encompassing. So, yeah, they're in everything, everywhere, all at once. Here with Doctor Strange in the multiverse of madness. I even got some multiversal vibes from the unbearable weight of massive talent. People just sort of existing as themselves and fictional version of themselves. But uh, you know, if anyone has a claim to the multiverse, it's Marvel, and they are they are rolling out. You know, what's hopefully a return to form for them. I was looking at the last couple Marvel movies um, over the last couple of years. Basically, everything since Endgame, the highest grossing movie of all time. And then we had COVID and the world changed. But you got Black Widow, which would open day and date on Disney Plus. Didn't make as much money as it probably could have. Only about $380 million worldwide. And it led to all that drama in Michigan with Scarlett Johansson uh, versus Disney. Then we had Shang-Chi, which was released theatrically. And it did really well. It made about $430 million. Same thing for Eternals, about $400 million. But in Marvel language, those are huge busts. I mean, when these movies sing, they make billions of dollars at a time. And we saw that with No Way Home, the last Spider-Man movie, which made close to $2 billion and is really the closest thing to a box office smash that we have seen in COVID times. But again, that's not fully the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That's also with the the co-production with Sony. So here we have Doctor Strange, and this is sort of you know, maybe the return to these billion dollar box office results for Marvel. This was originally uh, touted as Marvel's first horror movie, but uh, the director was swapped out. Now it's going to be Sam Raimi, who coincidentally directed the first Spider-Man movie way Mm -hmm. back when, clearly knows his way around a superhero movie. And this thing looks weird. It looks trippy. It looks kind of scary. And, you know, people love Doctor Strange. He was all over the Spider-Man movie. This is also the follow-up to WandaVision. So there's a lot of excitement for this. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, this if I were Marvel, if I were Disney, I'd want probably close to five, six, seven hundred million dollars on this one. McCoy, are you a big uh, Marvel fan? I'm so glad you asked that question. Um, sadly, I'm not. Oh, no. <laughs> not because I don't... <laughs> Not because I don't like the franchise. I'm just not like into like action movies or anything like that. I'm more into drama and comedy, a little bit of thriller. 
But I will say that watching the trailer, I was very much enticed into watching it. It looks so well shot. It looks so beautiful. And I like when they sort of shake things up in the Marvel Universe, the fact that we have this openly gay character, which to me is amazing. And I'm seeing how all of these um, partners worldwide are sort of reacting to it and by banning the movies in theaters. I'm, I will go watch it just because of that, just to support it, just so I can see more of that in Marvel movies. But yeah, not really the biggest Marvel fan, but I'll be there. Hmm. I'm with you. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of coming around a bit with the Marvel movies. I've, ever, actually, ever since I've been doing the podcast with Steve, because it's, yeah. it's more his thing than mine. And uh, the more I watch them, the more I enjoy them because the scripts are really good. The writing is amazing. I'm not really into that whole world as well, but but the writing is incredible. So I, I, I kind of tip my hat to them for that. So then comes Top Gun for Memorial Day weekend. Top Gun, Maverick. Uh, Mako, you're excited for this one? Super excited. I have to say that I feel like Tom Cruise, and this might be controversial, is one of the greatest action stars of our time. The commitment and the level of commitment he has to his craft. I mean, we all know about the infamous sort of meltdown that he had on set. But again, I think it just shows how passionate he is. Now, that was in a different movie, but this is the sequel. And I'm so excited to see them sort of do their thing. Like the other, the actors that are involved in the movie, actually, they went through three months of training and they learned how to run the cameras while they were in the fighter jet. Mm. That's impressive. Not only do I have to learn my lines, now I got to do lights and camera. Like, come on. So hats out. Shout out to all of the actors that are involved. I cannot wait to see this. This will be the one to take me back to the movie theater. Max? This movie was shot in another universe. This movie was originally slated for July 2019. What was the world even like back then? <laughs> and it was postponed. Its first delay was before that was even cool. They were ahead of their time. The first time this movie de was delayed had nothing to do with COVID. It was delayed so that they could allow the production to work out all the complex fight sequences. And then it got delayed four more times after that all having to do with COVID and the different variants. So it's finally here. Paramount has been gripping this thing as close to its chest as possible, has turned away streamers that wanted to release it that way. My question, though, is how's it going to do at the box office? Because yeah. this movie came out, the original, a long, long time ago. This is a Gen yeah. X movie. Boomers even before that, if you will. And it's a nostalgia play. But my question is, are those older audiences at this point going to turn out for this movie in a time when older audiences are not the ones that are fueling any sort of a box office revival in these post-COVID times? So it'll be interesting to see whether these older audiences are going to go out to theaters and whether the younger audiences that are going out to theaters, whether they remember Top Gun or whether they even care about Top Gun. But there's some younger talent in it. You've got Miles Teller, Glenn Powell, rumors that there's going to be a Lady Gaga song on the soundtrack. So it's definitely going to be a big deal. It's Top Gun, it's Tom Cruise. But it's interesting because it's not exactly a uh, current or relevant property, if you will. Yeah, I'm curious that because uh, Val Kilmer is, is back in it. And, you know, knowing that, you know, his uh, his history of, you know, his illness, um, I'm real curious on how that's going to how how, how he's going to portray this character. Um, or maybe it's something that that they kind of created within his character that his character is maybe sick. I don't know. So I'm, I'm real curious about that because they haven't shown any trailers with him in it. 
Yeah, yeah you I see am, his photo framed in the trailer, but nothing about him actually acting. It'll definitely be interesting. You know, I'm super psyched about uh, Top Gun. And I, I am Gen X, right? So this this was my generation. You know, I remember the volleyball scene. I remember uh, who lost that love and f- you lost that love and feeling. All that stuff is going to come back to me, which is cool. By the way, the Tom Cruise thing, I don't think it's that controversial to say he's one of the great action stars of all time. I will say I used to make fun of him because he always talked about doing his own stunts. And I was like, yeah, right. And then I saw him break his leg doing that mission impossible stunt. And I'm like, all right, all right. No, he's out there <laughs> doing his own. So you can see that leg actually break. If you pull up the video. Yeah. yeah. Right, so, I'm, I'm admirable. So June nine is Jurassic world dominion. I remember seeing a commercial all the way back during the super bowl for this movie. This, I think, is going to be a monster movie. I grew up with dinosaurs. I was a little kid that had those little plastic versions of Stegosaurus and Tyrannosaurus Rex and all that stuff. I've always loved Jurassic World, uh, Jurassic World all the way back to the original book written by Michael Crichton. Um, I think this one is solid gold at the box office, McCoe. What about you? I agree. And I'm so excited that we get to see some of the old faces. Max is talking about the Gen Z's and the boomers. I'm part of that as well. And I'm so excited to see Laura Dern and Jeff, uh, Jeff Goldblum. So it's going to be really, really nice, you know, when that movie plays out. Can humans and dinosaurs coexist together? That is the million dollar question. And in fact, speaking of questions, I have a question for you guys. Do you mm-hmm. really think that this is the last and final installment? of the Jurassic Park series, because that's what they're billing it is, as is. And I just don't believe that that's true. No chance. No chance. I, I don't yeah. believe it whenever they say that. Yeah. You know? It, no, it's, it's, like, just, it's like when somebody says, I'm not going to tour anymore, and, and then they go back right. out on tour again. It's just like a, it's a total deke move. Yeah, right. Like Frank Sinatra, how many times did he retire? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can't, you can't make this thing go extinct. That Jurassic World, the last one, Fallen Kingdom, I think it was, made over a billion dollars. And the first Jurassic World crushed it as well. I mean, this is more than a movie. These are theme parks in Hollywood and and Orlando, Florida. Um, it's truly a, a cinematic universe before those things were cool. And what's, what's interesting about Jurassic World Dominion is that this was one of the first movies that was actually shot during COVID. I'm talking peak COVID when the mm-hmm. pandemic first broke out. It was the first bubble movie. Um, they basically took over a hotel in England, things that sound normal to us now, but at the time were actually groundbreaking. And it was such a big deal that Judd Apatow decided to parody it for his latest movie, The Bubble, which is on Netflix now, and it's not so good if you ask me, is actually based on the shooting of Jurassic World Dominion and what it was like to shoot a huge blockbuster movie under lockdown. We'll see if you can actually tell from the finished product whether this thing was made under very, very trying circumstances. Yeah, you know, it's it, they, they always go for like, what's the next thing? Like every time they come up with a sequel, it's like, what is going to make this different? So now they're living, you know, they're living together. And, and By the like, way, I'm so excited about that, Sue. I'm so yeah. excited. No, no, no. I know. No, no. I want to see that, too. But then I think of like the future, like the next one. You know, what are they like? You know, like they actually in a relationship with the dinosaur. It's like, <laughs> how crazy is it going to get? It's like, oh, meet meet my father-in-law, you know, you know. <laughs> We had three (laughs) Jurassic Park movies, three Jurassic World movies. I think Jurassic Universe has got to be next. Jurassic Galaxy, dinosaurs in space. And then it'll be like, you know, Marvel meets Jurassic Park, you know, and it'll be Metaverse and... (laughs) 
<laughs> Metasaur. It'll be Metasaur. Sue's <laughs> just putting all the movies together. <laughs> all right. So yesterday at CinemaCon, which is a big convention in Vegas where all movie theater owners go, they screened uh, Boz Lorman's Elvis, which is going to come out on June the 24th. Um, and apparently just blew the doors off. Just uh, people were just completely blown away by this. The trailers look fantastic. Um, this kid, Austin Butler, wherever they found him, I don't know, is he a newcomer or what, playing Elvis, and then Tom Hanks in the role of Colonel Top, uh, Tom Parker. Is there a market for, again, you talk about 50 years ago, 60 years ago, Elvis Presley, is there a market for this, Max? Elvis is Elvis, right? I mean, is Elvis kind of too big to be ignored? He's sort of cross-generational. Um, I think this movie is a really interesting one. First off, Austin Butler does his own singing, which I think is rule number one in these music biopics. And not all of them do it. Rami Malek didn't sing in Bohemian Rhapsody, and he still won the Oscar, which uh, I'm clearly not over. But Austin Butler, <laughs> he is going to be crooning as Elvis. So I think there'll be a lot of buzz around that. And then you got Tom Hanks as Colonel Tom Parker. And this is a weird role for Tom Hanks because he's not the good guy. He's not the cuddly, kind of warm dad figure. He's doing a bizarre accent of the trailer. Tom Parker was uh, originally Dutch, so that's kind of what you're hearing there. But I think this will be interesting to see Tom Hanks kind of break bad, uh, which will be also, you know, an interesting awards campaign, potentially. My question here is the release date. Why is this thing coming out in the summer? This thing kind of screams prestige, biopic, uh, awards date for me. So is there something wrong with it? Or is Elvis just so big that he himself is a blockbuster and can kind of fuel uh, some summer popcorn buzz here? McCoe, what do you think? I think to answer your question, Max, I think Elvis is huge and it's cross-generational. I think there's certain movies that sort of transcend time. And just in watching that trailer and seeing how Austin Butler really disappears into Elvis, I don't want to jinx it, but I feel like there's an Academy Award that is just waiting for him. And I have to, again, shout out the way that it's shot, right? Like the costumes, the cinematography, the way that the director sort of pulls it together, that flair of really drawing you in. I'm excited to see this rack up a lot of not only buzz, people going to the movie theaters, but also like award season time. I can see it doing really well. And I'm, I'm a big Baz Luhrmann fan. I mean, I don't think I've seen anything that I that never liked, but I have a special, special connection to this because a friend of mine who I grew up with, Gail Berman, who yeah. I'm sure you guys know who she is. I mean, she has, you know, run, you know, she's run networks and she's, you know, her, her, her background is, is Broadway. That's where she, she kind of got her career started. Um, she's, she's an executive producer on this. So she mm. worked, you know, she worked on this film. I'm so excited for her. So I, I can't wait to see it. I think it's going to work like crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's going to work like crazy. This one's great, whether you like going to movie theaters or not, since it's Warner Brothers, it'll hit HBO Max 45 days after it comes out. So whether you uh, are in theaters like me and Steve or, or more of a homebody like like Mako and Sue, you'll be good with Elvis. Yeah. By the way, I also heard, and I don't know how this works in, but apparently there's rap as part of the story of Elvis. Again, this is Baz Luhrmann. You realize this is only Baz Luhrmann's sixth film. You know how we count movies for Quentin Tarantino? Uh, it's only the sixth movie that Boz Lorman has directed. And arguably, there's probably only one miss in the group. I mean, Strictly Ballroom, fantastic. Romeo and Juliet, I loved. Moulin Rouge, unbelievable. Great Gatsby, I was a big fan of. 
Australia was the one bomb in the middle of all that. But only a sixth movie, a Baz Luhrmann movie, is a big deal. It really is. And to your point, I want to talk about the rap element of it because I think that's really interesting. We know Elvis's history and there's been a lot of talk about the fact that he maybe stole music from the black community, how a lot of his success was owed to black artists. In the trailer, it was interesting to see Buzz sort of draw the parallels between the black church and Elvis's success. You see a little glimmer of that. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's sort of a nod to that, to say, listen, the big, of course, his talent, you know, we can talk about that all day long, but a big part of his background is owed to, you know, being in the black church and being immersed in that experience. So that was really, really illuminating for me. Yeah, by the way, the headline from CinemaCon yesterday was Elvis biopic Wow CinemaCon with superhero story rap remix for a younger generation. So it sounds like it's going to be really interesting and maybe not completely what we expect. All right, so Marvel is back for right around the 4th of July weekend, July the 8th, Thor, Love, and Thunder. Now, the thing I like about the Thor movies is that they're really funny. Uh, it's a little bit different from the other, Mar- like it's very different from, for example, Doctor Strange, because Thor kind of cracks me up and they put him in situations where he's really, really funny. Um, so it's a little bit of an outlier for Marvel, Max. It really is. And it started becoming that way sort of midway through the franchise. Thor 1 and Thor 2 were not funny at all. It all sort of changed with Thor 3, Thor, 3, Thor Ragnarok, and when Taika Waititi took the reins here. Um, Taika Waititi kind of has injected Marvel with this campiness, this colorfulness. Things are silly. Things are more fun. And it makes them feel different. What's interesting here, even though you're going to have Natalie Portman this time, she's returning to the franchise, and this time she is Thor herself. You got Chris and Bale playing the villain. Uh, but again, we just talked about a Marvel movie. They're sort of kicking off the summer movie season with Doctor Strange. It's been two years since we were sort of flooded with full-on Marvel with two movies per summer. And you've got the streaming series. Is Marvel fatigue going to kick in later on in the summer is sort of what we're going to have to find out, especially after Spider-Man was so huge. we got to expect Doctor Strange is going to be enormous as well. But this is being marketed as a romance. Again, it's tonally very, very different. So it might, you know, fool some people who think, you know, it's from a different studio, even though Thor, you know, he, he tends to be from Marvel. But this will be a fun one. Love and Thunder. It's got a crazy name. Uh We'll just see if audiences care enough to feel a two Marvel movie summer. Yeah. What do you think? Is there Marvel? Fit- I am. I, you're tired of it, McCo, but is there Marvel <laughs> fatigue out there? I tell you what I'm not tired of looking at Chris Hemsworth. I'm sure I'm not the only person who will go just to the movies just to get a glimpse of that man. Lord, he is fine. It's, it's really, I, I don't know. I think if you're a big Marvel fan, you're going to go and go see this. The trailer looks amazing. It is very funny. So even if you're not really big into the action, the, the, the humor in the movie is really great. And by the way, this is the fourth Thor movie, which is interesting to me because how many of these movies can they make? But I guess if you have such a big star like Chris Hemsworth, you keep going, right? Yeah, you do. And by the way, Sue, this is Thor kind of meeting Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm not sure if that means anything to you, but but it's actually I know what I know what it is. But I want to see Thor, Love, and Dinosaurs. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that's what I want to see. (laughs) Wrap in the dinosaurs. (laughs) I, you know, and I, and and it's so funny because Steve and I are big sports people, and I I think of Thor. I always think of Noah Syndergaard, the pitcher. So (laughs) I'd like to see him in it, actually. But I'm, I, I would go see it just because Taika Taika uh, Watiti. He is so brilliant, 
And just to see what he does with this, um, or what, what he did with this, um, that would be worth the price of admission for me. All right. So we finally get to, and there are other horror movies uh, during the course of the, of the summer. But the one I want, and I assume it's a horror movie, July the 22nd, uh, Jordan Peele, his third movie, he did Get Out and he did Us. He's batting for me a thousand. Daniel Kaluuya, uh, who won the Oscar for Judas and the Black Messiah, Stephen Yoon, who was an Oscar nominee uh, for Minari. Uh, nobody knows. And the trailers, by the way, don't tell you exactly what's going on. They're creepy and they're weird and they're deer that are running away and stuff like that. Mako, what do you, what do you think? Are you in on Jordan Peele? 100%. Jordan Peele is a modern day genius. Anything he does, I'm in for. First of all, we have Daniel Kaluuya, who he worked with on Get Out. So it's exciting that they're still working together. And there we got my girl Kiki Palmer. Kiki Palmer is incredible. She's in the Toy Story, well, the Buzz Lightyear movie as well. And then she's also in Nope as well. I feel like she's going to have a big blockbuster sort of summer. When you look at the trailer, you can't really tell what's going on. And I like that. Yeah. Like, keep me keep me kind of guessing. I know there's something to do with some horses and the UFO and something that's happening, but who cares? It's like the, the drama of it. And, you know, Kiki is sort of flying through the sky. I'm like, what's going on? So I'm all about it. You know, Max, that's an interesting point. You watch a movie trailer and a lot of times it tells you the entire story. Every beat, hey, you can look at the trailer and say, oh, yeah, that's when the third act starts. Oh, that's where all is lost. Uh, this movie, they're, they're really, really smart by kind of telling you nothing, just intriguing you and giving you sort of breadcrumbs about what the story might be. I think it says so much about the star power of Jordan Peele and how rare it is in Hollywood for someone who's behind the camera, who's the writer and director to really be the driving marketing force behind a movie. I mean, that's we're talking Hitchcock, Steven Spielberg, and now someone as young and as vibrant as Jordan Peele, really as the star of this movie. And after Us and after Get Out, both of those movies grossed over $250 million. Uh, Jordan Peele won an Oscar for, for Get Out. He really is a star and has such a unique brand in Hollywood. We have no idea what this movie is about, but you can still kind of get what the vibe is going to be. And and audiences love that vibe. There's nothing else like it in, in Hollywood and entertainment right now. And I mean, something that had this much juice could even fuel a Super Bowl commercial, right? This thing debuted in the Super Bowl. That was sort of the first glimpse that we had at it. And it still feels... Like, we haven't had a glimpse at all. I have no idea what this is going to be about, but I can guarantee you I'll be there opening night. Yeah, it's a great point, Steve, because a lot of times I don't like to see trailers and I never like to read anything about a movie because I don't want to know anything about it. And I know it's so silly, but I remember when Lady Bird came out, people like, oh, you know, did you see Lady Bird? I thought it was about Lady Bird Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea that was just surprise. I know. Um <laughs> But uh, there's there's there is nothing I won't see that's Jordan Peele because his movies are so unique and so creepy. And like because uh, well, in this trailer, you see the like the creepy car dealership balloons that they show. I mean, <laughs> everything that he has in it is so creepy. And I love scary movies. So um, and, and 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 then to your point, Steve, about trailers you know, a lot of the movies, they do trailers kind of like 
it's it's like um, what they do in TV to kind of get you to come back from from a commercial. You know, it's like coming up, and it's like you don't need to do that with us because we're going to the movie. If we're going to the movie, you don't have to worry that we're not coming back after we go get something to drink or we or we're going to the bathroom. You know, so I don't I don't like that they give so much away. It ruins it for me. Do you read reviews, Max, before you go see a movie? I. Don't read an entire review because very often you will get some some plot elements, not quite spoilers, but but what's going to happen in the story, some context around it, more than you want going in. I like to try to get sort of to gauge what critics are saying, whether it's getting good buzz or bad buzz. But beyond that, I, I try to stay um, as blind as I possibly can. Mako, you hang out on Rotten Tomatoes? No, not at all. I just go by whoever's in it, right? Like Jordan Peele, I, it doesn't matter what he delivers. If there's a Jordan Peele movie and something with his name on it, I'm watching it. I like the mystique. I like the old Hollywood glam where we don't know everything, right? Where there's a little element of surprise. As long as I know who's in it and I trust the names, I'm in. You know, what's weird is I, so I deliberately don't read reviews. I never know the fresh score or whatever they do there yeah. uh, before I go into a movie. And I'm amazed at how many times I come out and I've got a completely different v- review from critics. Like for example, power of the dog. It did, I don't know, 99% or hundred, 102% or whatever on uh, rotten tomatoes. And I was like, eh, I don't, I don't quite get it. Or last year I saw uh, Dear Evan Hansen, I saw the musical on Broadway, saw the movie, walked out of the movie, thought, hey, that was pretty good. Uh, go home, look at Rotten Tomatoes. It's a 26%. I'm like, I, I, don't, I don't jive with critics so much of the time uh, that I, I really don't want to have that preconception about how the movie is going to be. I'm my own critic, so I'll decide. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, there's a movie that that's coming out um, called cha-cha real smooth yeah um and i'm excited about it you know i grew up i'm jewish i went to so many bar mitzvahs in my life and just the fact that the, the characters go to a series of bar mitzvahs <laughs> i'm in because <laughs> i'm like so curious as to what they're doing with it. and dakota johnson i'm like i'm like her biggest fan she is so great i mean the last few movies that i've seen her in she is so good um, so, and she produced it as well. So I'm, I'm real excited about that. What about you guys? I'm a veteran of the bar mitzvah circuit as well. And I can't <laughs> wait for that one, but it speaks to something about reviews. Like I don't think any real reviews have come out. That was a Sundance movie, but even if you just follow the trades at all, and you saw that that was a huge Sundance acquisition and there's buzz around it. It's like, I don't even need to read a review. I can already tell that sort of uh, thought leaders in the industry really, really like this movie. So if you want to go into these things blind, you need to initiate an embargo like 14 months in advance of when the movie is going to come out so you can avoid all the buzz on something. But I can't wait for that movie. Yeah, even I know that it was purchased for $15 million out of Sundance. So <laughs> I know it must be must be pretty good. Mako, do you have any uh, personal ones that you, you're really excited about for the summer? Okay, so this is a safe zone. So I'm going to tell you what the, the one I'm excited about. There's two, but the one I'm really excited about is the Jennifer Lopez documentary. It's coming out on Netflix. It's the year she turned 50. I was at that concert. I'm a big J-Lo fan. I'm just a big fan of the entire experience from her personal life to her love life to on stage. So I'm excited to see that. And then there's Bullet Train with Brad Pitt. I'm really excited to see that. I mean, you see Brad Pitt in this mystery sort of thriller role. The trailer is amazing. Whoever shot that, edited and pieced that trailer together, 
deserves an Academy Award. The transition of the music in the beginning is really incredible. My favorite thing about Bullet Train is that uh, the director of Bullet Train, David Leach, is a former stuntman who was actually Brad Pitt's stunt double five times. Wow. If you you saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Brad Pitt plays a stunt double. You won an Oscar for that, so you get really layered into the Hollywood weave Full circle. I can't wait for Bullet Train because unlike so much of what we're talking about, Bullet Train is not a sequel. It's not a superhero. It wasn't a movie. It's not a remake of a movie that was made 20 years ago. It's not a nostalgia play. It's just sort of an original, fun entertaining romp um but my kind of smaller movie that i'm going to recommend for the summer it's going straight to streaming unlike all these big theatrical movies we just talked about it's fire island which is coming to hulu on june 3rd that comes from comedian joel kim booster who is on a trip to fire island with his friends reading jane austen's pride and prejudice when he realized that what he was reading was actually very applicable to the gay scene at fire island Uh, all these people who kind of take over the island for a summer and it's been a huge part of the culture there for generations Uh, so you've got Joel Kim Booster starring in his movie here alongside Bowen Yang from SNL who's getting some great uh, yeah and he's getting some great kind of buzz as as really just an actor and a performer which is very different than the context we're we're used to seeing him in so far even though he's been such a breakout star from SNL so I can't wait for that one and Hulu's had a lot of success with comedies they had Palm Springs two years ago Happiest Season Um, so then we can watch this one uh, on our couch at home and I think it's perfect for the time at which it's coming out great summer movie can't wait for it so my personal pick is June the 24th, uh, Where the Crawdads Sing. So this is a novel that I read a couple of summers ago, I think. Um, it was uh, a combined 32 weeks on the New York Times bestseller list and has spent 159 weeks total on the bestseller list. It's, uh, it was a book that was bought by Reese Witherspoon's company, Hello Sunshine, it stars Daisy Edgar Jones. It's about a girl who lives out in sort of this marsh by herself in sort of a almost like a survivalist kind of way, has put together some kind of life for herself by herself. And uh, there's a murder that happens or there's a death that happens, I guess. And she's investigated for it. It's going to be fascinating. Uh, you know, it's like a, uh, a courtroom drama. Uh, meets kind of this this really odd sort of character, this girl who lives on her own. Really excited for that one. Have anybody read the book? I did. I did. And did you it, like the book? I love the book. It's got a like To Kill a Mockingbird kind of sure does. feel to it. And what her life was prior to that, which I will not spoil, yes, um, was very, very interesting. Um, where she came from and 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 what what develops later on is uh it's it's amazing it was riveting to read yeah it's a great book it's written by delia owens if you haven't read the book read the book you know if you want to do that thing where you read the book and then see the movie i i i'd recommend that it's it's a really really great book anybody else have anything specific that they feel Sue, you look like you have something you're emotional about I am i have there's one other movie um barry levinson has a film coming out it's actually coming out today <laughs> on uh, HBO called The Champ of um, Auschwitz, um, which is a story. It's a true story about a, um, a prisoner who was forced to box like a, a, 
a bunch of other prisoners to entertain SS officers. And, um, and, and it's, it's really dark, but it turns out that he, he ended up, he escaped and then he moved to America and he fought Rocky Marciano. Um, and I guess, um, Levinson had some sort of, uh, connection to wanting to do this film. Ben Foster plays Harry Haft and, um, just pictures of him. I mean, you talk about how actors lose and gain weight. Oh my yeah. God, he is skeletal. And, um, and again, Ben Foster is somebody who came on my radar um, with um, Six Feet Under, mm-hmm. where he came kind of later into the season. And all of a sudden, he's like this. He's really a great, great actor. I'm, I'm a huge fan of his. So I'm, and, and I love Barry Levinson. Uh, anybody else have a personal pet project that they're excited about or looking forward to? I'm excited for Lightyear. Yeah, uh, we touched mm. on it. This is Pixar's first theatrical release since Onward, which was uh, pre-COVID 2020. And I just think the the log line here is is so weird. It's it is not based on the Buzz Lightyear we know. It is the movie that Andy, the character from Toy Story, saw, became a fan of the character from this movie, and bought the toy that was based on the character from the movie Lightyear. So oh, that's fascinating. Of, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So if you can connect the dots there and kind of get on board with the meta uh, nature of it, I think it could be really funny. You got Chris Evans sort of moving on from Marvel to Pixar, staying in the Disney family. But it's been a while since Pixar had a movie in theaters and those used to be as short a thing as you can get. So we'll see if there's still that interest there. But come on, it's Buzz Lightyear. It's Toy Story. I think exactly. it's Exactly. It's Pixar. Come on. Come on. Yeah. McCoy, you got one last one? Um, I don't think so. I think we covered all of them. Yeah. Um, like I said, the biggest one for me is, is JLo. I'm sorry. I'm a big JLo fan. JLo. <laughs> you know, it's for, for me, I kind of wrap on this is there's a difference for me between a movie that streams, which I say is on TV and a movie that's in theaters, uh, which I consider to be a movie. Um, do, do you think other people have that distinction or have we reached a point where Movies, TV, same thing. McCall? Um, I mean, I think there's a distinct difference. With a movie, you really get caught up in that time period, right? You're watching it for an hour or two hours, and you're immersed in, the, in that world. With a series, you kind of take a break, even if it is on a streaming site and it's on Netflix. Like, you, you get to kind of walk away. Like, I think of a movie like Coda, which was an amazing movie. Yes. Last war season, swept the award season. I couldn't shake that movie for weeks after watching it, right? Like, watching it, we were all crying. My friends and I were all in tears. And we weren't surprised when it racked up all of those awards. But with the series, I feel like you kind of get a break, right? You you would still feel the emotion, but it wouldn't be as heavy as, like, watching an entire movie. Right. Now, Coda, for me, is a movie theater mo- movie because I saw it in a movie theater before it started streaming. But there are certain movies, and you mentioned, you know, the J-Lo one. And, Max, you mentioned another one that's going straight to streaming. Um, Fire Island. Fire Island. Yeah, they feel, for, for me, there's a distinction. I'd rather see the movie in a theater than at home. Um, I, I just, I, for me, there's, it's, it's different for me. Hmm. <gasps> Yeah, go ahead, I, I, Sue. Yeah, I mean, I, I, to me, I guess because I've been watching so many movies at home <laughs> that it doesn't really, uh, it doesn't ring, you know, different for me. 
Oh, I'm with you, Steve. I think a movie is more than the movie. It's where do you see it? It's how did your popcorn taste? It's was the crowd good or were they disruptive? And I think what's interesting about these movies we're discussing now is they're the first slate of movies in a long time that I feel like I'm tired of seeing the trailers for because mm-hmm. I started going back to movies. I've seen these trailers over and over again. I've seen the posters in the lobby of the movie theater. And that's all part of the experience. When you just throw these things on at home, I feel like they blur together. You're not sure uh, if this scene was from that movie or was it from this, the series that I just finished beforehand. I want these to be distinct cultural memories that we have. And they're just not that unless you see them in the big screen. Well, you guys might not know this, but I used to own movie theaters. Um, ah. And so I'm a huge proponent of going to the movies. There are a few places where we still get together uh, these communal experiences. One is, and I work for ESPN, one is sports. Uh, one is church and the other one is movie theaters. These are, these are the places we all get together, get on the same page, have a shared experience, both emotionally and intellectually. And that's why I, I, I'm always going to be the guy that pumps up the movie theater business. I, I guess I have kind of like a selfish thing about it because yeah. I remember when they started to, um, open like smaller theaters like quads and stuff where yeah. you'd, you'd walk in and it'd be like oh god there's like only 50 people sitting in here and i used to joke they're so small that if you had to go to the bathroom you can ask the projectionist to put it on pause you know <laughs> and i'm someone who always has to get up and go to the bathroom and that's what i and i love just sitting in my house and it's like doop all right and then i come back and, and watch the rest of it so i i guess for me i don't have the nostalgia of, oh, going to the theater. And I remember when I used to go when I was a kid and, and it was very exciting back then, you know, um, I just don't have that anymore. You know, I don't know. So. Here's a little nugget for you, Sue. There's a yeah. website and app called run P and what they do is they watch all the movies and then they tell you at what point in the movie you can go to the bathroom and not really miss anything important. I think that is a genius, genius idea. That is brilliant. <laughs> that is brilliant. <laughs> or be catheterized. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> you don't need to do that when you're in the comfort of your own home. Do you guys know how expensive popcorn is? I like do. Now I have to get in my car and gas is expensive. <laughs> no, I can have that same experience right on my couch, right like in the comfort of my own home. So I guess we'll agree to disagree. But you know what? We'll find out May 6th when that first Marvel movie comes out. That'll kind of really determine if people are ready to go out and mask. Yes. Well, it is uh, it's summer movie season. I will be there to see Doctor Strange uh, opening day. Uh, so excited for summer movies and big movies back in the in the theaters. Uh, Max, Mako, thank you so much for doing this. We really, really appreciate it. Our pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Excited to see these movies. And thanks a lot for listening. Don't forget, you can subscribe to the Culture Pop Podcast on Apple, Spotify, or at stevemason.com. Leave us a rating and a review, and we will see you next time on the Culture Pop Podcast. <laughs>